smart brands already use artificial intelligence. Join us at the Digital AI Marketing Summit in Santa Barbara, California from April 11th to 13th and hear from brands like Pfizer, Equinox, Samsung, USAA, and many others. We'll discuss how they're using AI and machine learning to better invest their media dollars, to improve customer service, and to curate content. To find out more, visit digiday.com slash events. See you there. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangol, and I'm back with another session from European Publishing Summit held in Monaco. In this last highlight from the summit, I have a session with Mark Field from The Bridge, which is the content studio of News UK. Publishers are breaking silos across their teams in sales, content, international markets, and more. And as they do that, they're also finding a cross-portfolio approach to work with brands. So here in this episode, Mark talks about how News UK has adapted to agency thinking and approaches to help clients understand how their portfolio could work for brands. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm here to tell you about how we have put in some agency thinking and tried to take some of the approaches that an agency does. We're not there to take the job away from an agency. We're, our job as a content division, uh, branded content division of News UK, is to help clients and agencies understand the portfolio that we've got. So. 18 months ago, our business was very different. Um, you'll be familiar with brands like The Sun, The Times, The Sunday Times. But we've also bought wireless, so we have a whole host of radio stations. We've bought Unruly, so we have a video distribution network. We've bought Storyful, a user-generated content business. So it's incumbent on my team, who I'm very privileged and proud to run, um, to understand everything we've got. You know, we reach about 38 million people every month. Um, how, do we, how do we reach these people in a way that's going to be really interesting for brands? So I'm going to share with you and show you a case study of how we get there and how we work. But what I thought was also interesting earlier about um, Justin and Jamie said a couple of things that, that we believe as well, which is context is, is, is highly important in anything you do. Um, so you'll see how that comes together. And collaboration, internal collaboration and external collaboration is absolutely fundamental to all publishers in this room not just working on a brief to a client, but in what we say um, after this conference and all the time, in the pitches we have, in the way we talk to advertisers, uh, the way we talk to our, our, our consumers. Uh, because those messages of collaboration are, are what are absolutely relevant to, to our audiences and advertisers today. Um, so when I joined News, which was 14 months ago, it was quite an interesting concept because I inherited three teams that didn't even sit together but all did the same thing, and were almost in competition with one another. So the first part of collaboration, and what I believe drives collaboration is the culture that you put in to your team, is how do we bring that together and what do we understand? And when you go around the News UK organisation, it's really interesting. There's tons and tons and tons of stuff we sit on that we re rarely brought to the fore when we talked into brands and talking to advertisers. But we use them all the time to inform our editorial decisions and to form our marketing decisions. And one of the key things I came across was just how important emotion was within anything we did. Whether you're talking to a journalist who's just come back from Aleppo, talking about what's happened to the war-torn country and the, the uh, emotions they're trying to elicit through the piece of content they're writing, through to Unruly, who build a business on 
you know, 750,000 campaigns over 12 years where they look at different facial technology as well as um, getting people to fill in uh, some forms to really understand what emotions are best elicited from an advertising message to a consumer. So I saw all this stuff and we found all this stuff and we thought, well, if we bring that together, we're offering it advertisers more than just content because there are a lot of people like me out there and my team that do brilliant stuff. You've heard some excellent stuff while you've been here the last couple of days from other brands and new and more traditional in terms of the way they create content for, for, for their audiences. But we also got insights that we don't bring to the fore. So how can we do all of this to most importantly forge a really powerful connection to the audiences we serve? Because that's the point, yeah? Creative Solutions a few years ago was, hey, it's really creative, we've reached this many people. But I think we need to be more outcome focused, taking people from the top end of the funnel to the bottom end of the funnel to drive business outcomes for people. Um, because advertising does a really good job of disrupting and telling someone and giving people the knowledge of their brand. Content needs to pull you in a bit more. Branded content needs to get people engaged a little bit more. So we think it's really important that how people feel about a brand, how people feel about the content that they're getting involved with, is actually going to work harder for you. Uh, Peter Binfield's done a study where um, showing the, the difference between emotional connections and rational connections in brand campaigns. Um, and it just shows a marked increase in terms of ROI for all brands. So all these sort of studies that go on in our, in, in our industry lean in far more towards an emotional connection. So that's what we do, you know, an emotional connection. Whether you're watching the end of EastEnders just for the doof, doof, doof bit, you're watching that great Christmas ad, you're reading about a fantastic football report, it's eliciting an emotion so how can we create some of that special stuff with all this data that we're sitting on and turn it into brilliant work? So how do we come up with a way that gets Sunita to sell cheese, an Oscar-winning director to be engaged with the advertising we make? We get so many asks because of the sheer scale of the audience we've got. We're getting about 20 briefs a week. So how do you work in a way that offers consistency, a high level of quality, really good insight, really good work, right? You know, you know, the bar is very, very high in terms of the content you need to, uh, to produce for advertisers. So we came up with a process. Now, our job, as I said earlier, isn't to take the job away from agencies by, by any means. Our job is to understand their role and what they do, and then also understand the audience we get. We don't get briefs that say, we'd really like a partnership with the Sun. Right? They turn around to you guys that have worked in the field. This is the audience we're after, and this is what they're trying to what we're trying to do. So we look at a very simple way that every single brief has a consistent approach to it. We have a team of strategists that put together the strategy, um, and we have a team of um, uh, commercial editorial guys who are adept at coming up with brilliant, compelling ideas. Now, if you match those two together, that's how you're going to get a winning combination and a great campaign that's going to drive value for an advertiser. So every single thing goes through this process. Uh, it's very simple. Most planners like a triangle. Um, the audience is not just how big we are, but what do we know about them? The emotion. What's the key emotion we need to elicit here? What's the nuance of talent that we want to have? What's the tone of voice that this content needs to have? And then what's the motivation? What's going to get them off their bums to do this for the brand? Because I think that's a bit, quite a lot of the time, branded content misses out on. What is the thing that we need to achieve? Okay? So all of this stuff goes together. It's all looked at. Um, and then that forms the brief for our creatives. A quick break here, because this is where I tell you about Digiday Plus and persuade you to sign up. 
It's our membership product, and the subscription will get you our magazine, invites to member events, access to our Slack community, and exclusive research. To subscribe, visit digiday.com, and you'll find the Digiday Plus tab on the menu bar. Digiday Plus is only $395 a year, or $33 a month, and if you want a 25% discount, enter code PODCAST at checkout. Now, back to the episode. And in the old days... What we would do is, see, if you go from, from right to left, we'd all get in a room, we'd get a brief, we'd all sit there in a brainstorm going, I've got an idea, I've got a brilliant idea, I've got a fantastic idea, and that would be a massive shopping list of ideas, right? What's the point of going to one central creative unit? And then we'd come up with the, well, here's the idea, yeah. Uh, and has anybody got any research sort of back this idea up? Right? That's the way we used to work, but we turned the whole process on its head. So first of all, we go for the triangle, the audience, emotion, and motivation. That gives us a strategic framework. It gives us a proper piece of insight into the audience from what we know about them, from their consumer journey, from their interests, from the nuance of, uh, of, of what's going to work. And then we hand it to the creatives. The creatives come up with a big idea, yeah? And then we think with this massive train set we've got, right, what's that look like in the Times? Okay, that's what's going to look in print. What's it look like? On uh, desktop, what's going to look like on mobile? How do we work it in social? Is there a role for video? If there's a role for video, do we distribute it via Unruly? What's it sound like on radio? So all of these things go into the mix in terms of how we then execute and then deliver the campaign. I'm going to use uh, a really, really uh, nice campaign called Movember because earlier on we talked about collaboration. Uh, here's an example about how we collaborated with another media owner. Now, lots of people talk about collaboration, there's a good test of whether you're going to be able to collaborate with another media owner, because um, I've done a few of these um, over the years. If you get in a room and the first question is, how much money are we getting? Just ask them to leave. There's just no point moving any further forward. If the conversation is, right, how do we make this work? Then you're in, right? There's too many people in the chain that know how much you're getting, right? At some stage, even if you're doing it direct for a client, a client at some stage normally says, oh, I need my agency to look at this. And the media agency will turn and say, well, you get this much, you get this much. Like, get all those things out of the way quickly. Ask the agency, say, we've got this much money, how much will we get, how much will they get? Then you can move into the ideas phase, and that's the important bit, getting an idea to work really well. And that's what happened here with Movember. We were asked to work uh, together with Sky. There was this sort of, you know, because obviously, as you'll have seen in the news about, you know, our, our, our interest in Sky as a business and what's happening there. So there's this assumption that we all knew one another. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that I knew one of the guys, Bazza, from the pub, you know, we didn't know one another, we never worked together, but we very quickly had to form a team that were going to work absolutely hand in glove all the way through the campaign. And, and, and once, we, uh, once we got all the incidentals out of the way, it was really easy. So, when we looked at the audience and when we look at an audience, there are a whole host of tools that we have at our, uh, our fingertips. Um, uh, we have a, a tool called Content Connect, which shows the user journey on platform, so we can understand what sort of content um, uh, people like and where they're going to spend their time. Times Plus, obviously, we've got first-party data there. Sun, um, £9.50 holidays, biggest um, holiday company in the UK. Tons and tons of data there. We have reader panels. We've, of course, used TGI. It's the biggest thing that out there. Why wouldn't we use it? But it's, again, how do we understand what we can offer uh, uh, and our understanding of that? Um, we have a, a marketing uh, approach. There's a thing called verbalization, which is something our editorial teams use, which really understands readers telling us what they like and don't like about different sections uh, across our news brands. Uh, and we've got an always-on approach with a company called Engagement Labs, which measure 
uh, real and social conversations so we can really understand what people are talking about and how, uh, how they work. Dependent on the size of the brief, it's not always the size of the brief in terms of money. You know, if we've got time is the most important thing, we can spend more time on, on understanding our audience. And then we understand, we, so for all that, we try to find out um, what do men talk about? Well, women talk about a lot of different things, and blokes talk about four things, okay? Uh, they talk about sport, travel, leisure, and news, and that's about it. Um, and sex is sort of in there, probably across all of them, it comes into the conversation. Um, interestingly, we've got um, a case book, our photo case books from one of our columnists. She gets a, a massive post bag of... Um, uh, of letters from men in the sun, and every single letter she gets is anonymised. Blokes don't like to turn around and say, this is me, this is my problem. Two problems that men talk to her about all the time. One, there's a problem with my partner, and I don't fancy her. Not them going, is there a problem with me? It's a problem with their partner. It's not, never theirs. The second one is, I think I'm addicted to porn. Right? So whether those two are connected, I don't know. But, you know, men don't talk about a lot of things. And with the Movember thing, we really need to understand what it is men talk about to get them talking. When it came to the emotions of men um, and what emotions in a campaign are really going to work for men, they need to know something, right? So we need to, to inform them and give them that bit of knowledge that they can share with their mates. We need to inspire them. Um, and we need to give them a sense of pride. And when you add inspiration and pride together, that is something in there about the emotional bit. And if blokes don't like talking, how do you go into an emotional territory to really understand what it is that um, uh, is going to get guys to actually talk to one another and share stuff and, and, and get involved in the conversation that goes on around Movember? But then you think about the motivation. When it comes to content, guys, and guys, you might recognise this for you guys in the room, um, guys fish with content. Right? So they'll put something out there, they'll do it in the pub when they're talking to their mates, or they'll do it on social media, they'll go, what do you think of this? They won't offer an opinion, they'll go, what do you think of this? And if their mates turn around and say, oh, yeah, I really like that, they'll go, yeah, I like that too. <laughs> but if they turn around and slag it off, they go, yeah, I thought it was rubbish as well. Right? Blokes are afraid. Right? So, the challenge that November, November set us was quite a big one, because over the years, facial hair has become more de rigueur, um, guys don't really want to interrupt that or shave it off. So there's a, you've got to shave. You've got to grow a moustache if you're in a relationship. You know, my wife really, really wasn't up for me doing this. Um, although you couldn't see mine until about two days before the end of the campaign, which wasn't too bad. But they do loads of great work. But the, their core proposition is, how do we stop men dying too young? They support three key charities. Men's mental health, uh, prostate cancer, and testicular cancer. Right? If guys aren't talking about anything other than football, how are we going to get them to talk about this, right? Really, really tough challenge. And all of this insight was helping us to understand the sort of content and the sort of conversations we needed to get guys to chat about. The strategic positioning was all about the fact that men are afraid, right? They're afraid to appear soft. They don't want to look diminished in the eyes of their loved ones and their peer group. So we've got to do something. We've got to win their hearts and minds early in this campaign to really, really get them motivated and get them to feel like a sense of connection and be proud about the content and proud about the fact that they're going to talk to their mates about why they want to get involved, why, why they and their friends should get involved. So we had to do all of these different things uh, in terms of content. Right? So that was, that was the, the bit we gave to the creatives. Our big idea was faux Movember. Right? The fear of missing out on Movember. That's the fear of missing out of taking part but also the fear of missing out of all these things in life. That if you don't talk to one another, 
if you don't check yourself, if you've got an issue and you're feeling really dark about things, talking to your mates, talking to people that are there to help you, if you miss out, then the consequences are going to be far worse than your mates taking the piss out of you. You could die. So it's a hard job to do. We used our entire arsenal. We worked with the guys at Sky. How do we demonstrate this on Sky? How do we do it across our portfolio? How do we pull the right levers? What do we do with it? We created over 350 uh, pieces of content that went in paper, went online. There was Earn Editorial. The, I had a bit of a breakdown on the pitch. We were working with Newcastle football team. Um, three of the lads from the team were happy to get involved and really do a video which was, you know, grow a mo, save a bro. Really simple thing, part of the execution. But when we went up to interview him, the goalkeeper started saying, well, actually, I was in a match once and um, I started having a nervous breakdown on the pitch. I started crying. I had to call over to the sidelines and I had to get them to substitute me. And if it wasn't for my coach helping me out after that and the club giving me support, I don't know where I'd be today. I don't even know if I'd be here. Well, that's bloody compelling, right? This has come from a brandy content brief and we've just found an absolutely amazing editorial story. So having a relationship with your editorial team that they see the value and worth in what you're doing as well is really important. It's going to earn the campaign its space. So that helped us bring that to life there. But how did it do, right? In the brief, we were asked to sign up 25,000 people. Um, in the pitch process, we were quite brave. We said, actually, we think we could hit 50,000. So we've got an ambition. We, we'll get you 25, but we're aiming for 50. We brought in just over 50,000 sign-ups. Um, you know, lots of people watched it. The awareness of the campaign was absolutely fantastic. It beat all of our benchmarks. 64% uh, of people who signed up to get involved in November this year were new to doing it which was fantastic, um, and 16% increase in their um, amount of money raised. You know, that's given them something like a seven-to-one investment return. Okay, so outcome-based solutions can be created by brilliant insight, brilliant campaigns, brilliant content, and driving the whole piece through. Okay, so if there's anything that I can, um, you know, talk to you about, about the way we do stuff, it's consistency. It's a consistent approach to giving really clever insight to add to the creative process. Because, you know, data's great, right? We all, we're in a world of data. But data added to editorial expertise and talent can create really, really compelling campaigns that are really going to work and turn the dial for advertisers. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mark. That was fantastic. I'd just like to ask you something before I throw it out to the floor. For questions. Um, have all these changes helped you improve margins on uh, branded content work? Because oh, I yeah. understand that's been a challenge for a lot of publishers in this space. Yeah, well, um, one, in terms of our margin, yes, we've uh, had a fundamental approach to every single part of our process, both on the content creation side, so we understand our, our margin position and what we're aiming for and what we're looking to do, um, and how we actually operate together. Mm -hmm. um, so culturally, how we all had to work together. And when you've got 20 briefs coming in a week, right, um, I think everybody wanted to rush to, I need my brand on this solution. It's like, well, look, and as you're going to die in a ditch over it, there's another 19 just sitting in the room next door. So, you know, work with us on getting the idea right. Our, our credibility needs to be the right mix. And within the right mix, setting up tools and um, the processes in place so that people can understand what makes money, what's going to work, how it works. We can make informed decisions on the, the talent we're using, the, you know, the media channels we're going to use, the laydown of the campaign, and all this thinking. You know, I've, I've challenged my guys to be very entrepreneurial in what they do, but with a process to help them. And the process helps them see what the right things are. Mm -hmm.
It's something that come up, uh, came up yesterday, actually, that I thought was quite interesting. Um, I don't know if you found this as well and if this process has helped with you, but something that was raised was just um, one of the challenges being that clients um, are used to dealing with agencies on these things, and yep. so therefore they have, you know, their expectations are kind of matched to being able to have you know, bigger teams put on each, uh, each piece of work, sort yep. of hire and firing that the agencies do, which obviously publishers don't do. Yep. But have you found that this has helped with sort of meeting some of those expectations and I guess being sort of more like an agency? Yeah, well, I mean, we're a team of 40 at the moment. We're looking to grow again. Um, we have, uh, within our team, the mixture is sort of strategists, account managers, project managers, editorial creatives. We have a whole host of um, short-term freelance that we need, whether it's, you know, from, you know, we have a full-time sub, we have a pictures editor, um, but then we'll use freelance to, you know, accordion up and accordion down based on, on, on what we use. We also, we use the talent within our business to, to make sure we're using the right people to demonstrate and deliver stuff. So I think it's just being a little bit more um, professional about the way we look at, uh, at how we operate um, and delivering compelling campaigns. I mean, we talk to lots of clients direct. Um, it's not our job to go around the agencies, and most of the conversations include the agency anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and at some stage, you know, a client's going to go, oh, hang on a second, the agency to be involved. So we're very transparent in what we do as well. I think mm -hmm. that's key. Uh, because in a time when agencies are being squeezed on margin and therefore time, we're there to help them um, bring ideas to life and, uh, and create decent stuff. So there's never a point where you're like, I kind of wish this agency wasn't in the room right now. <laughs> well, um, well, it's probably not agencies. It's probably a few people we'd like to shoot. But, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I, I'm, I, I'm genuinely very lucky. I've got a, a, there are a talented bunch of people. I think um, not enough emphasis is put on the skills of project managers to handle those tricky situations when you're in a tripartite relationship with agency, client, and, and us. Um, and having people that are adept at, uh, at handling objections, at handling deadlines and being able to deliver, uh, we've put a hell of a lot of stuff into the, the process. Everybody knows what they're expecting, and, and um, there are a few, uh, few guys in the team who uh, are, are, are very adept at, at delivering. Okay, thank you. Any questions? Hi there, um, it's uh, Robert CNN. Uh, some of that sounds familiar, and um, the insight stage uh, and kind of the strategic stage um, showed a lot of different brands, a lot of different platforms that you use. And I know one of, one of the struggles we have is that you know, they often sit across a lot of departments. Yep. Um, there's a host of different technologies helping inform those decisions. And it's quite hard to kind of consolidate it, and, and it takes a lot of, a lot of work even just sort of, you know, to, to get the information into one place. I wondered you know, if that's a struggle you have, and if... Um, you know, what, what it is you do to kind of simplify the fact that you're getting information from a host of different places and also at the distribution stage as well when you're using a lot of places to distribute yeah. it? Well, quite a lot of it's bullshit, isn't it, really? It's, it's, it's corporate bollocks, yeah? And it's a lot of people turning around and going, oh, well, I don't like that, and well, I didn't do... You know, it, it, we, we've, we've tried to be as inclusive and as collaborative as possible, right, within our team. Uh, when, when we got there, there was no process. So people all over the place were going out with ideas and, yes, we can turn the masthead of the, of the sun yellow. No, you, you, can't, you can't do that, right? You can't do that. But people that perhaps don't know the creative process have gone out too eager and hadn't checked, no checks and balances were happening. And what we've done is, we've, by putting this in place and involving everybody throughout every step, both editorial, marketing, commercial, and showing them you know, great examples of where we've won and how the ideas have got better and getting good feedback. People have sort of, from their initial, well, we lead with the brand. We lead with the brand story. No, look, we've got to lead with the audience story and then the brand because that's where the data and insight's going get, to get us and, and it's stretching the idea a bit further. 
And I think by showing our value and worth internally, it's turned a lot of people from, you know, sceptics into, oh, bloody hell, this works, and the revenue's going the right way, and it's all working. And by getting people involved from the beginning all the way through, and changing the behaviours of people, you know, there's no point, you know, a salesperson getting a brief and not being incentivised to hand it over or work with us. Because we don't work in a world as well that, you know, because everybody, anybody talking to a customer might come up with an opportunity. So by making sure that they're always involved and they can lead it if they want to all the way through and run the process, but there's a process there you have to follow, then they get better work to go back and put in front of their contact, right? So everybody wins, nobody loses out. And, and you have to do a lot of the, the small, simple things, like you know, championing everybody that touched that brief, every, celebrating near wins. Don't just celebrate the wins, celebrate the ones that, bloody hell, that was really good, but we just lost out, right? You know, and doing a lot of that sort of cultural change, which has been the big thing that I've focused on, um, to get people to understand by working together, it's better. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes a bit of politics gets in the way, but you just have to love bomb people. Well, come on, come on, have a look. You know, it's really easy. So um, then it's all worked. Thank you so much, Mark. That was yeah. really great. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked the show, and I hope you did, please share it forward. How you can do that is by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It helps our podcast to be discovered. If you have any feedback, email me at aditi at digiday.com. That's A-D-I-T-I. Or find me on Twitter. Thanks again, and I'll see you soon with another episode. Music